Chapter Twenty of the Call of the Wildflower. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. The Call of the Wildflower by Henry Salt. Some Marsh Dwellers. Here are cool mosses deep. Tennyson. What Thoreau wrote of his Massachusetts swamps is hardly less true of ours a marsh is everywhere a great allurement for botanists by a road which crosses a certain sussex common there is a church and close behind this church a narrow swampy piece of ground known as the great bog which has all the appearance of being waste and valueless yet whenever i visit the place i think of thoreau's words my temple is the swamp for that bog ignored or despised by the dwellers round the common except when a horse or a cow gets stuck in it and has to be hauled out with ropes is sacred ground to the flower lover and being the home not only of a number of characteristic plants lesser skullcap sundew bog bean bog asphodel marsh st johnswort and the scarcer species of marsh bedstraw but of one of our rarest and most beautiful gentians the calathean violet known and esteemed by old herbalists as the marsh fellwort the attention of anyone whose thoughts are attuned to flowers must at once be arrested by the colouring of this splendid plant for its large funnel-shaped blossoms are of a rich gentian blue striped with green bands and as it grows not in the bog itself but on the close adjoining banks of heather it is easily accessible yet fortunately in the locality of which i am speaking it seems to be untouched by those who cross the common on the afternoon in early september when i first found the place a number of children were blackberrying there and i dreaded every moment to see them turn aside to pick a bunch of the gentians which doubtless would soon have been thrown aside to wither as is the fate of so many spring flowers but though the blue petals were conspicuous in the heather they were left entirely unmolested for this merciful abstinence there were probably two reasons one that the flower-picking habit is exhausted before the autumn the other that the gentians however beautiful are not among the recognized favorites daffodils primroses violets forget-me-nots and the like that by long custom have taken hold of the imagination of childhood had it been otherwise this rare little annual could hardly have survived so long in botanical usage there seems to be no difference between the terms marsh and bog nor need we i think follow the rather strained distinction drawn by ann pratt a writer who though belonging to a somewhat wordy and sentimental school and indulging in a good deal of what might be called ann prattle had so real a love of her subject that her first book haunts of the wildflowers affords very agreeable reading the distinction between a bog and a marsh she says is simply that the latter is more wet and that the foot sinks in while on a bog the soft soil though it yields to the pressure of the foot rises again the definition itself seems hardly to be based on terra firma but we can fully agree with the writer's conclusion that at the worst an adventurous botanist is often rewarded for the temporary chill by the beauty of the plant which he has gathered that is a consolation which i have not seldom enjoyed but a pleasanter name in my opinion 
than either marsh or bog is one which is common in the lake district and in the northern counties generally viz a moss it sounds cool and comforting i recall an occasion when in the course of a visit to the newton regney moss near penrith the foot sank in and a good deal more than the foot but the acquaintance then made for the first time with that giant of the ranunculus hoarder the great spearwort was sufficient recompense for who would complain of a wetting when he met with a buttercup four feet in stature it so happened however that the plant in whose quest i had ventured on the precarious surface of the newton regney moss the great bladderwort was not to be found on that occasion though it is reported to make a fine show there in august possibly in an early season it had already finished its flowering and had sunk after the inconsiderate manner of its tribe to the bottom of the pools nor did i see its rarer sister the lesser bladderwort with whom indeed i have only once had the pleasure of meeting and that was in a rather awkward place in a deep pond lying close below a railway bank and overlooked by the windows of the passing trains so that i not only had to swim for a flower but to consult a timetable before swimming in order to avoid having a gallery at the moment when seclusion was desired our north country mosses are indeed temples to the flower lover by virtue both of the rarest species that inhabit them and of the unbroken succession of beautiful plants that they maintain from the rich gold of the globe flower in early summer to the exquisite purity of the grass of parnassus in autumn among these bog plants there is one which to me is very fascinating though writers are often content to describe its strange purple blossoms as dingy i allude to that wilder relative of the wild strawberry the marsh cinquefoil which though rather local is in habit decidedly gregarious for several years it had eluded me in a carnarvonshire valley until one day wandering by the riverside i came upon a swampy expanse where it was growing in hundreds remarkable both for the deep rusty hue of its petals and for the large strawberry-like fruit that was just beginning to form apart from the more extensive mosses the lower slopes of the mountains both in cumberland and wales are often rich in flowers unsuspected by the wayfarer who keeping to some upland tract sees nothing on either side but bare peaty moors that appear to be entirely barren and barren in many cases they are you may wander for miles and not see a flower then suddenly perhaps on rounding a rock you will find yourself in one of these natural gardens in the wilderness where the ground is pink with red rattle growing so thickly as to hide the grass or white with spotted orchis handsomer and in greater abundance than is dreamed of in the south or a still more glorious sight tinged over large spaces with the yellow of the bog asphodel a plant which is beautiful in its fruit as well as its flower for when the blossoms are past the dry wiry stems turn to deep orange sundews are everywhere the quaint and affable butterwort is plastered over the wet rocks and the marsh st john's wort so unlike the rest of its family that the relationship is not always recognized is frequent in the spongy pools here and there a small patch of pink on the grey heath will be seen the delicate bog pimpernel which might take rank as the fairest flower of the marsh were it not that the diminutive ivy-leaved campanella is also trailing its fairy-like form through the wet grasses among which it might wholly escape notice 
unless search were made for it to realize the perfection of its beauty the exquisite structure of its small green leaves slender thread-like stems and bales of palest blue you must go down on your knees to examine it however damp the ground a fitting act of homage to one of the loveliest of flora's children better cultivation preceded by improved drainage is ceaselessly encroaching on our marshlands and lessening the number of their flowers the charming little cranberry for instance once so plentiful that it came to market in wagon-loads from the fens of the eastern counties is now far from common and our cranberry tarts have to be supplied from oversea but much more ravishing than the red berries are the rose-colored flowers though they are known to scarcely one in a thousand of the persons familiar with the fruit i always think with pleasure of the day when i first saw them on the wind ladder pass near keswick their small wiry stems creeping on the surface of the swamp a feast for an epicure's eye it is under the open air not under a pie crust that such dainties are appreciated as they deserve these then being some of the many attractions offered by our mosses is it surprising that the lover of flowers should play the part of a modern moss trooper and ride out over the border in search of such imperishable spoil his part indeed is a much wiser one than that of the old freebooters for who would risk life in the forcible lifting of other persons cattle when at the slight expense to which ann pratt alluded the temporary chill caused by the sinking of his foot in a marsh he can enrich himself far more agreeably in the manner which i have described End of chapter twenty